All right, let's get started. There is much to address with our panel in studio. Joining us every Tuesday, Alyssa Freeman is a PR and pop culture media expert. Hello, Alyssa. Hello, John. I just want to also give a shout out to Big Brothers Big Sisters today because it's their awareness day. And uh, we had a big presser today with Mayor John Tory, and we talked about the importance of youth mentorship as an antidote to youth violence in this city. So I know you weren't listening in the green room or the blue room because I just talked to... <laughs> of course I was. Yes. 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 Okay. Full, uh, Leanne Nicole was just on with us. Pop and culture guru for nothing. Right. Full disclosure. <laughs> My client. <laughs> there you go. Kevin Gadet is with us. Uh, he's the president of Bright Point Strategy and formerly with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Kevin, how are you doing? I am living the dream. Thanks, John. All right. Well, it's nice to see that this is part of your dream. <laughs> Rocco Rossi, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber I of dream Commerce. Big. Yes. How's Rocco? <laughs> Having a great day for talk radio. Thank you for saying that. By the way, tomorrow will be an interesting day. Uh, it's when we find out in the morning whether or not the stay that the government, the Ford government, was looking to affect here uh, to obviate uh, the necessity for Bill 31 using the notwithstanding clause, uh, which, of course, was in response to Judge Bella Baba uh, at the Court of Appeal, or the Superior Court, rather. Uh, let me ask first off, around the horn quickly, if the Ford government loses this appeal or doesn't get a stay, uh, does it signify anything in discredit his invoking the notwithstanding clause? Like, that would be defeated at two courts now. Rocco, what do you make of it? Uh, not at all. I think this is belt and suspenders, and um, if he gets the stay this way, then you don't need the notwithstanding. The notwithstanding is there and is being used... In a sense, as it's designed, you have to have a ruling. It's a failsafe. Right, and then it's a failsafe. All right, Kevin, would it do anything? I mean, it might lend some currency to the naysayers saying, you see, two courts now. Well, I'm sure the naysayers will say that, but I think there, there are technical reasons why there's a possibility they could lose it, uh, but it, it's not really an issue of the merits in and of itself, and the, the appeal could still proceed, notwithstanding an absence of a stay. So the actual court decision about the, the, the government's bill will still be pending anyhow. All right. So I'm just wondering about the optics, if it does do anything to maybe, again, as Kevin said, the naysayers are always going to be there. So uh, regardless of uh, whether the stay is granted or not, he's still going ahead. He'll either use a notwithstanding clause or he won't. They're hoping by Thursday this will be a done deal and move forward. Well, absolutely. And I think it does de- depend on what side of the political spectrum you, you fall on. When I saw the um, you know, the protesters and the banging of their feet on the wall, there's a lot of people who feel that much has been accomplished by giving a voice to those who disagree. So uh, from those, that point of view, people might say that, you know what, it was a win. But at the end of the day, is it really going to hurt him in the long run? It's still early days. You really uh, think that there's a perception that this is a win, or is it a sense that uh, it's just the same dial a crowd of protesters, they show up at everything, and uh, they're obviously intent on trying to disrupt or, uh, you know, obstruct? You know, is there a significance to this? Now, there was a uh, Quito Maggie came out with his Main Street poll today that shows overwhelmingly Torontonians uh, are against the downsizing of council, or so he said. It was a rather small sample, 820, I think, roughly, uh, but nonetheless, and made a point of suggesting that even in Doug Ford's Etobicoke, uh, riding or former borough that uh, there was, I guess, about 56% in favor of uh, maintaining the status quo at 47. Does this signify anything to you, Rocco? Look, I, I think a couple of things are being conflated. I think if you had, the, the problem is a lot of people 
object to the process, not to the end result. And I think those two things are being conflated in the poll. So I don't think we're getting a clean look because last time I talked to any of my neighbors, there are very few people saying, yeah, I want more politicians rather than fewer politicians. <laughs> All right. Which it's, is, it's just, who, it's just who not a more, huge who, number. Who wants, more, who wants more rats on their property, right? I'm, I'm really surprised by that poll, actually. And it had to no, be, but I yeah. think it is conflating the fact that even, <clears throat> even conservatives who support the end result Looks. would have preferred a different process. Well, that's what people are protesting to, right. to, to be to the point. And that's the what the decision is, is yeah. about. Well, I don't think they're just all well, protesting no. process I don't think that these are dial of protesters either, John. I, I don't know. I've been watching the news. And I've been watching who's protesting. And this doesn't seem like your usual band that the Mary ones that are showing protesters up like that normally show up. No. Two, two o'clock in the morning at the legislature. No, I, I, <laughs> I see more people in my Facebook feed who are not part of this sort of normal dial up a protester group. And, mm. and and, you know, they are upset and they are worried about their civil rights and, and they were expressing that. So I'd have to say that this covered a much wider swath of well, people. Well, if they're worried about their civil rights, I'm kind of curious, have they even thought through the implications of this? So they're in favor of judges imposing by fiat or decree uh, their interpretation of the law versus an elected body like a legislature. I mean, that sounds to me like it's convoluted thinking or they haven't really understood the full implications of what's taking place. Am I wrong? You know, I think that people look at this in a very compartmentalized way, in the way that it appeal that that it, um, it that they perceive it. So, do pe- are people looking as as Rocco says, you know, at the full spectrum of thinking here? No, I think they're looking at the part that makes them upset. So, I I would say that very few of the posts about I have read have actually looked at the whole issue. Instead, people are compartmentalizing what bugs them the most. Yeah, Doug Ford. <laughs> He's well, right. well and, and the bottom line is October twenty second is rapidly approaching. <clears throat> And at the end of the day, shorter elections help incumbents. Uh, it becomes more and more difficult for uh, anyone to uh, to unseat them because they don't have the time. So all of this delay, and that's part of the reason there's this kind of two-track, whether it's through the appeal or through the use of the bill that uh, that draws on the notwithstanding clauses, get to conclusion quickly so that we can get this thing moving. Well, sure, and this is going to be in the sorry, this is going to be in the rearview mirror quickly enough. You know, starting Friday morning, Finance yeah. Minister Vic Fideli is giving a major economic speech. Uh, it's coincidentally the same day that the line by line audit is due. You know, there's expectations he's going to be announcing what was uncovered in that audit. Uh, the the expectation is the deficit is going to be monumental and suddenly we will be starting a long conversation and process around what the government's going to do uh, how how will it do it what's the roadmap for getting back to balance and that's going to trump relatively what i would call this as a minor issue compared to the magnitude of what they're about to i mean just accepting the ag's analysis on that doubles it from six to 12 so and then it's whatever else they find but it is a big honking number well, the other uh, thing that's that's interesting, I just wanted to point out, because the next, I think, two topics are going to touch on this, but there's some really brilliant narrative positioning being done this week by parties of all stripes. And when you mentioned that this audit is coming out, I mean, not talk about, we've talked about learning how to change the channel. And normally political parties would sit back and wait for some news to befall them that would be of good news to change the channel. No, people are, parties are becoming more savvy, more communication savvy, and <coughs> starting to actually schedule these announcement so they can if something happens they get a dip turn the channel and move on to something else well we're going to do that we're going to move on to something else by the way the financial accountability officer is going to join us after six o'clock and uh what he has to say is that uh 
we're still in relatively good standing as far as credit rating is concerned, which means it's not totally calamitous, but we're middle of the pack vis-a-vis uh, the rest of the Canadian provinces. <laughs> and I was wondering Quebec what... Quebec is doing better. Of course they are. Uh, and it also uh, leads you to wonder if there's 10 provinces and we're middle of the pack. I mean, are the Maritimes doing better than us now? I mean, who's actually outpacing us? How far have we fallen? We should be we top of the class. Yeah, kind of, sort of, you know, this is the point. And so we'll ask him... But I wanted to move on to other matters. You know, we talk about uh, the principled idea that maybe it's the legislatures that are sovereign, not the courts. And uh, when you talk about these matters uh, of how important it is that uh, principles be adhered to, I'm thinking of yesterday's crossing of the floor by Leona Alislev. She's up there, the liberal, who went over to the conservatives from Aurora Oak Ridge, uh, Richmond Hill. Uh, we talked last hour to Andrew Shear, leader of the official opposition. Happy to welcome her in the fold. And the question is whether or not uh, this... Well, let me start by asking, is this different than Bernier quitting the party? Rocco Rossi. I mean, Bernier quits the Conservatives. Uh, you know, I guess, hey, see you later. Don't let the door hit your arse on the way out. But uh, she coming into the fold, uh, they herald that as something far more significant. Are they one and the same or not? I think both are acts of conscience on part of uh, the individuals involved, and the the issue always. And you know, as someone who um, who ended up running for the Tories after having a long affiliation with uh, with the Liberals, I, I understand how difficult this can be for an individual. The difference being, I'd never been elected. Uh, and so there is a bit of a difference when you've asked a riding and you've asked people to vote for you on behalf of you being a particular stripe, because we know in most elections, um, it's it's the rare individual candidate who carries the day without that a party affiliation. Um, and so that makes these circumstances a little more difficult, but clearly she felt uh, in good conscience, she couldn't support uh, the the government, and and so she's uh, decided to support uh, the Conservatives, well, and then it'll says. be up to the riding to de- to decide in the next uh, election. Right. Yeah, all right. Uh, what she says is, my attempts to raise my concerns with this government were met with silence. It's my duty to stand and be counted. Our country is at risk. The government must be challenged openly and publicly. What it says to me is. Uh, that something's going on within the bosom of the Liberal Party. And is she the canary in the coal mine, uh, suggesting further that the Liberals are abandoning the political center, betraying the middle class? Do you see this as a harbinger of change to come, Alyssa? Or is is this a a very severe indictment of uh, how Justin Trudeau has taken the party, say, astray from where Leona Olislev thought she signed on for? Well, you know, I think that the optics of watching somebody actually cross a floor has a more, much more meaningful impact on a on the Canadians, Canadians at large, than you were comparing this to Maxime Bernier. You know, this woman comes from an incredible pedigree. She graduated from RMC. She served in the Air Force, I believe it was. She has sat. She has worked for stellar blue chip Canadian companies, and then she became, you know, an MP. And so. You know, when you look at her and you you think, this woman is talented. She's got something to say. This is not a frivolous decision. She's obviously thought this through. She loves this country. She's fought for this country. I think that that plays a, that is a big blow for the Liberals as she has crossed the floor. Because people are going to start to think, well, 
hey, what is going on? And here's how, and literally she came out of nowhere. All right, but let me ask Kevin here, uh, you know, because she does say, the party has not addressed adequately uh, some foundational challenges uh, facing the country. She cited the government's handling of the economy, tax reform, foreign affairs, and trading relationships. Uh, it's like... That's what a, didn't she a, include? A panoply of, <laughs> Except well, the kitchen sink, really. Well, it's almost like <clears throat> suggesting they've lost their soul. Oh, that's just such a love to Kevin. <laughs> yeah, right. I, don't I, like know. They had I was waiting for him to go, yup, and then they'd go to bed. like they had one. The, the Liberal government suffers from uh, uh, a number of challenges, one of which is their list of accomplishments is short. Uh, they will have legalized cannabis, uh, and their tax changes, although they started out well enough, uh, they have gone awry since then. So there, a lot of governments run at the end of their first ma- mandate on a mandate uh, or an election campaign of promises made, promises kept, which is why it's the mantra of the Ford government right now. Um, this government's going to have a tough time doing the promises made, promises kept because they just haven't. Uh, and she points to an, an important number of pocketbook-related issues uh, for which she believes the government's lost its way, and I think that's problematic. It's a government that has a 17, had a 17-seat majority. It's now down to 16 seats, and she's in one of those ridings in play in the heart, heartland of Ontario, without which this government can't continue to hold on to power. So I think this is problematic for them. All right, let's uh, take a time out. We'll come back. There are many more topics worthy of discussion. Alyssa Freeman, Kevin Gaudet, Rocco Rossi on the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And for me to publicly criticize the government as a liberal would undermine the government and according to my code of conduct, be dishonorable. Obviously, there are going to be people on, on the liberal side that are going to try to downplay this and, and impugn her motives and say it's more about uh, politics. I can tell you, when Leona and I spoke, it was all policy, it was all direction, it was all uh, you know, platform issues. 